I'd like to invite any children who want to come up and join me for a moment to talk about that beautiful picture that Grayson just painted for us from the scriptures. Come on up. And if you're worshiping from home, just move a little closer to your screens. Hello, hello. Good morning. I'm so glad to see all of you. Come on down. Well, thank you, Grayson, for reading that scripture passage. You helped us all to see a picture that the prophet Isaiah was painting for us. It was kind of a picture of God's dream for the world and what the world should look like. It helps me sometimes to have pictures in my mind or to imagine what the world could be like if we were just the way God wanted us to be. One of the images and pictures I think of is right here on my stole. You see all these children? These are children from all over the world. And they all look happy and they all look like they've been eating well and they have enough and they're happy to be together. And it just makes me hopeful. And I think about what the world could be. And so this um, Isaiah passage that Grayson read for us talks about people having homes and everybody having enough and everybody living in peace. It's just a beautiful thing to imagine. But you know what? As people of God, we don't just imagine these things. We also work for them. We try to make the world a better place. And I know all of you do that so well every day by being kind, by reaching out to people who are lonely, by hugging a friend maybe when they're sad, by sharing your toys or food, all sorts of ways that you make the world a better place. And I thank you for that. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for these places in the Bible where we can imagine the world as you want it to be. We thank you for the imagination of children that can really help us see that things can be better. So help us do everything we can to make this world more like you want it to be, kinder, with more compassion and love. Help us do that every single day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much for listening. If you are three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor James and Pastor Maggie to Children's Church. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with parents or friends. I want to begin this morning by asking for a little bit of grace from you. I have been, uh, this past week, I did my first round participating in a study at Vanderbilt Hospital uh, for memory and Alzheimer's, and it involves several rounds of MRIs and things like that, and I'm, I'm really glad to be doing it. But on Wednesday, I had a lumbar puncture, and ever since then, I've had a headache. Apparently, like 25% of the people, this happens to them, that's me. And so I've been on this loop of Tylenol and Advil, and I'm... I haven't been able to give my full attention to this text from Isaiah. And it sort of breaks my heart because I have been so looking forward to digging into this text with you this week. It is one of the most powerful visions of the reign of God that we can imagine. And so my prayer is that in spite of my loopiness, in spite of my limitations this morning, that the word of the Lord comes through to all of us 
and that we can catch this vision. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you spoke through the prophet Isaiah and you laid before your people a vision of the world as it could be, of your hopes and dreams for us and for this planet and for this life. Help us to hear your dream, to latch onto it with our hearts and our lives. And whether it is through me or in spite of me this morning, may we all hear your word in Christ's name. Amen. On August 28, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stepped out on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and delivered his famous, I have a dream speech. Now, we may know that that actually wasn't the speech he planned to give that day. He was about two-thirds of the way through his prepared remarks when his friend Mahalia Jackson, the great singer, off to the side, cried out to him, tell him about the dream, Martin. And so he set aside his notes and he began to tell them about the dream. I have a dream, he said, that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream, he said. And no doubt you have listened to that speech yourself. You have read it, hopefully heard it and read it many times. And this vision of Martin Luther King Jr. came from his faith, came from a deep belief in a God of justice and righteousness who wanted a better world. The vision came from someone who looked at the world he was living in and knew it was not as God would want it to be. And so he painted a picture. He gave a vision of what he believed God would want the world to be. And his dream inspired a generation and subsequent generations and continues to inspire us to live up to that dream, to live into that dream, that picture that he painted for us. That's what prophets do for us. They give us a vision of how things can be. And the prophets of God give us a vision, I believe, of the world that God wants for us, the dream that God has for our lives and for all of creation. Dr. King was not the first prophet, nor was he the last. The prophet we hear from today spoke and lived thousands of years ago and spoke into a different moment in history. If you know a little bit about the history of the people of Israel, they had been living in the promised land, but the Babylonian army came in, conquered the people, destroyed the temple, decimated their homes, and dragged many of them into exile in Babylon. But when the prophet speaks in this text, he's speaking to a moment when they've been returned from exile. They're now back home. So it's a moment of renewal and new beginning, but it is also a moment of brokenness. Because there they stand in their homeland amid the rubble of the temple and the rubble of their homes. And so the prophet speaks and gives a vision of the new Jerusalem. 
And even though he is speaking to a people thousands of years ago, to a moment that happened thousands of years ago, we still hear his words and we see the vision and it speaks to us. I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. I will create Jerusalem as a joy. And then we hear the word of the Lord through the prophet describing what this new Jerusalem will look like. And it's easy to think the prophet's talking about, you know, that day way down the road when all things are made new. That day with the end of all creation or judgment day or resurrection day or however we might frame it. But there's so much in what he says that is about the here and now about children being born and people living into old age and dying a natural death, about building houses and planting crops. So I hear this as a vision for the here and now, as well as for eternity. So as we dig into this vision, as we look at the concreteness of it, we can begin to ask the question, how do we embrace this vision? How do we as the people of God believe in it and hope for it and work for it? We hear things like, there will be not an infant who lives but a few days. There will be no infant mortality. And all people will live to the ripe age of a hundred at least, which says to me there will be no more cancer. There will be no more Alzheimer's. There will be no more suicide, no more gun violence, no more disease, no more COVID-19. They will build houses and live in them. Everyone will have a home to live in. They will plant crops and eat the fruits of their labor. Everyone will have enough to eat. And not one person's labor will be exploited for the profit of another, but everybody will have meaningful work that is enough for them to live and to thrive. And the vision goes on and on and on. And I can close my eyes and begin to see it. A community of people where everyone has enough and people are living in peace and there's enough food, enough housing, enough health care for all to thrive. This is no pipe dream. This is the vision of God to inspire the people of God. And we hear it at the beginning when God says through the prophet, my people will rejoice in all that I am creating. Which to me says this is something that God is creating even now in our midst and is inviting us as God's people to be part of it. So one question I have for myself and for all of us is how do we participate in this world that God is creating in our midst even now? I heard about a congregation that had looked around at the needs in their community and realized that the infant mortality rate in their community was much higher than the national average. And so they took that on as a goal to bring down the infant mortality rate in their community. And they started programs of prenatal care and counseling for young mothers and fathers 
to add extra support in the hospitals, to care for those and help bring about um, family nutrition and things that would help children to thrive. You know, this study that I'm doing at Vanderbilt, I'm doing on the one hand because my mother died with Alzheimer's and it's a good way for me to check in every couple of years and get my own uh, check-in on how I'm doing. But it's also something I can do to participate in bringing down this disease because I believe God would like for Alzheimer's to be eradicated from the face of the earth. And if I can deal with a headache for a few days as part of the work that's being done to get rid of that disease, sign me up. There's a vision that all people would have a place to live and a home. And this congregation has, I don't even know how many habitat homes we have built together along with others in our community to make that dream a reality. Or how many of you have worked with families to help them finance a new home so they can have a safe place to live and raise their families? There's all sorts of work to be done to live out this vision that Isaiah puts before us, the dream of God. And not one of us can do all of it, but each one of us can do our part. And God can work through all of God's people to help this dream become a reality, to help the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In just a few moments, we will affirm our faith together as we do almost every Sunday with this affirmation of faith that comes to us from the United Church of Canada. And in that affirmation, we will say, I believe, we believe in God who has created and is creating. Even now, my friends, God is creating the beloved community. The reign of God is breaking in. May we have eyes to see, hearts to believe, and hands to join in the work that God is doing. Thanks be to God.